are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here on this Mailbag Monday edition of the show, taking you through the off season, and uh, I, I put out the question on Twitter, and I like some of the responses I got. I, I wanted to know, aside from the usual mailbag questions, and we'll get into all kinds of different stuff that the listeners want me to talk about. And hey, it's your show; we talk about what you guys want to talk about for the most part here on Lockdown Forty Niners. But I put out the question: Who are people sleeping on right now on the Forty Niners roster? And got some interesting responses that. I will get into on today's program. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the show. You can find us on the brand new Himalaya podcast app or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter. That's the best place to get those mailbag questions in at BD Peacock. You can also email the show, LockedOn49ers at Gmail, or head over to LockedOn49ers.com. You can find uh, the streams of the podcast, where to subscribe, and other good stuff there. On the website. Now, most of today's mailbag will come straight from Twitter, but I do have some emails and a little bit of a backlog there, and I'm going to get to some of them with Nick on Wednesday's show. And so today's going to be all about Twitter Wednesday when I do dip into the mailbag with Nick Winkler for our Winky Wednesday. There's some uh, good emails, some of them longer, and uh, we can spend a little bit of time with some of those, some of them a little bit older. So if you sent an email a while back and you're thinking, oh man, they didn't put it on the show, uh, you might. Have it read on Wednesday, and we'll get into some important issues involving the 49ers. But today, let's start with some of the sleepers on the 49ers roster. And uh, I think it's, I want to start with my guy, Griff, who says Richie James is being slept on drastically. And I love it. If you listen to this show, uh, especially if you've listened to for a while, for about the past calendar year, you know that Richie James is one of the players I really like. And I love that he stuck with the team last year, and I expect even more from this year. So, Griff, I'm with you, man. Richie James, people aren't even penciling him into their 53-man roster. Uh, Richie James is is a borderline lock to me at wide receiver. He can do so many things for the 49ers. He allows them to not have to keep so many players because he can play in the slot. He can play the Z. He can play the X split-end position, and he's a return man. He can play special teams for you. He has so much value for a team because what he can bring, and we haven't even seen the best of what he can do yet on offense going into year two, making that second-year jump that we see all the time. We see every year second-year wide receivers and third-year wide receivers making that big jump. So I love his skill set. He can get open underneath. He can get open deep. He can make plays on the ball. He can make plays after the catch. I think Richie James is absolutely being slept on, especially with now some of the depth and some of the young players competing for roster spots here for the 49ers. And, uh, and I expect some big things from Richie James in 2019, and I absolutely expect him to make the roster because of his, his versatility. And it's not just being versatile and he's kind of he can do some things. He's really good at a lot of things. I think he can be a player for the 49ers and, and be impactful. R. Alexander says there was some initial chatter about it, but I don't think Tevin Coleman has been talked about enough. He could be a fantastic weapon, hashtag 49ers. Tevin Coleman's an interesting one because I don't know how that running back group is going to get utilized because there's still Jarek McKinnon and the 49ers spent a ton of money on him and his value in the passing game. So if he's 
on the field for third downs. Tevin Coleman has passing down value as well. But then there's Matt Breida, who you can't just push aside. Matt Breida might be might end up winning the job as as sort of the the main running back. And he proved he could be that last year. He was awesome in Shanahan's offense when he's healthy. But then you keep him healthy. Do you have Tevin Coleman sort of be the backup for both those guys? Or do you have does Tevin Coleman win the main job and he's kind of the, the main back? And then you have your receiving back in Jarek McKinnon. He's kind of overpaid for that role, in my opinion. And then Matt Breida is just the change of pace guy. I could see that happening. I think that's unfair to Matt Breida and it wouldn't make sense to pay Jarek McKinnon so much money if everybody's healthy, obviously. But Tevin Coleman's really good, and we've already seen him play well under Shanahan. And it was funny because when they signed Tevin Coleman, it's almost a luxury where they're like, well, he's still available, and he was and he took this contract that you know, we're surprised he's still here on the next second day of free agency, and he's still still here. So let's let's pay him and bring him in. So at worst you have a ton of depth, but I don't know how. I mean, yes, he could be a fantastic weapon. I'm with you, but I just don't know how much all of these guys are going to get used. I think they're all going to get dinged a little bit or hurt initially if they're all healthy usage-wise. Let's say if you're uh, if you're having a fantasy football draft, I don't even know which guy to tell you to draft. I have no idea whether Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, or Jarek McKinnon will lead the 49ers in touches at the running back position. It could be a perfect split. I have no idea. Uh, injuries is, is going to be the main factor. I want to keep the guy who doesn't get hurt first. And then that's the guy I want in fantasy football. So if, if I actually, if I'm drafting, let's put it that way. If I'm drafting a fantasy football running back from the 49ers of those three players, I'm going to draft the one who's the cheapest. So whoever goes last between those three, and we'll see how that shakes out here as we go through the summer and fantasy drafts happen. I want the last one. If I had to guess, I think Matt Breida, again, like last year, is going to end up being the supreme value player there because he's played so well. And I just don't think with how well he played and his improvements in the passing game, he's a weapon too. Tevin Coleman's a weapon. Matt Breida's a weapon. Jarek McKinnon is a weapon. 49ers got a lot of weapons, a lot of O-dubs on this team. Let's stop calling them running backs. Stop calling them wide receivers. Let's just count the O-Ws, right? Richie James, he's one of them. George Kittle, yep, tight ends too. Backcountry fam says people are sleeping on Akella Witherspoon. I think he figures more prominently in the defense's success than people think this year. Well, there's kind of two different things you're talking about there. One is how much of the success he figures in. And I think that's big. If Akella Witherspoon is not very good, that's a, that's really bad for the 49ers because I don't think you can count on Jason Verrett having a full healthy season for the 49ers, even if he does win that starting job and, and Verrett's your starting cornerback and, and Akella Witherspoon might be your number three corner. Maybe Verrett moves inside during nickel and, and battles with Kwan Williams for that spot as well. But if Akella Witherspoon doesn't take that next step developmentally, uh, it could be really bad for the 49ers. And on the other side, like you're saying here, uh, if he's really good, then that's that's a huge bonus for the 49ers. And if you can run Sherman out there, and Sherman is still Sherman, and Akella Witherspoon's that long dude on the opposite side, then Verrett's either outside in the slot doing his thing. And I've talked about that on the show. Is one of the things in the draft is like, okay, in free agency, they brought in one of the most injured guys in the NFL over the last five years in Verrett, who's really good when he's healthy. Is he still that guy? 
And is he going to stay healthy if he is that guy? It, those are big questions, and I don't think you can count on that. I think whatever Verrett gives you is a bonus. It's a nice bonus to have, and they only had to pay him for one year, so it's a no-brainer signing. I love the signing of Verrett, but there's a lot going on in that secondary, and it's hard to bank on really anything there because you don't know how these guys are developing, uh, what they're going to look like this year, and the guys, uh, multiple players that have had a lot of problems with injuries over their career so Akella Witherspoon, I think you're right, will figure prominently. And I just don't know if I have seen enough to have an answer. Either way, good or bad for Akella Witherspoon, because I've seen both from him. And I know my guy Eric Crocker, who's a friend of the show and been on multiple times, and, and he's one of the people that has been a an Akella Witherspoon apologist, for lack of a better term. He likes Akella Witherspoon. He thinks he gets too much flack. And I think backcountry fam, I think you might agree with Crocker on that one. But I think a lot of 49ers fans are more like, oh, Akello, please be good. Please be good. And uh, that would be a huge boost for the 49ers secondary if they've got a legit guy there uh, and a young player in Akello Witherspoon that does take that next step. Speaking of long, lean, fast, young players on the 49ers roster in that secondary, uh, there's another guy I want to get to right after I tell you guys about Blue Chew. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra something, that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's like blue, the color blue, and chew like you chew it. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, I teased it, but I want to get to this question about Tarverius Moore. This is from Michael on Twitter. He said, have the 49ers considered moving Tarverius Moore back to his college position at safety? Most position changes fail, and it might improve what we currently have at the position, sleeping on Julian Taylor, making the roster instead of Armstead. Okay, interesting there, Michael. First of all, let's start with the second part. Sleeping on Julian Taylor making the roster instead of Armstead. That is that is a sleeper pick there, and I think has next to zero. Ah, I don't want to say that, but very unlikely that Julian Taylor would just straight up make the roster over Eric Armstead. Now, Eric Armstead maybe gets hurt, or there's a trade or something in the works that happens over the course of the summer. A team really needs that sort of 3-4 defensive end type of player. And I can see a lot of teams needing a, a player that good that could just jump in and play well right away. I could see that happening with Eric Armstead and then Julian Taylor having his spot. But there we see we saw it last year. There's space for Julian Taylor and Armstead to make the team. And I don't think it's going to be an either-or situation there as far as, you know, you have to cut one or the other. I think they can both fit there. But I like 
Julian Taylor in the sleeper category for sure. Uh, he still has that skill set and and really flashed some some big potential for the 49ers as a rookie seventh rounder last year. Uh, considered, I don't know if the 49ers have considered moving Tarverius Moore back to safety. I know that um, he, I mean, it's just so hard because we haven't seen him play that much corner. There's some promising things, but he's got that range and speed at safety that might help the 49ers. Maybe they, maybe the 49ers know they have more in their back pocket. They don't need to address safety because they know they could just move more back there as an option. Maybe Richard Sherman in the future is going to end up being a safety. So they don't want to put a lot of resources there because they think they might have a couple of future safeties already on the roster. In which case I would say, well, why don't you draft a corner then? <laughs> because you know, if you, if you plan on moving one of those guys to safety and, and I don't know, um, with Tarverius Moore, it's just it's it's a big question mark. I have no idea. We haven't seen enough of him. I don't know what he looks like. I gotta believe if the 49ers haven't mentioned moving him back to safety yet, and he's still, you know, in in camp and OTAs and he's working out at corner, then that's your answer. They thought they liked enough of what they saw from him as a rookie at corner that he's gonna stay there. But it's an interesting one to monitor because it could be a, a quick move back to safety, but at some point he'll have a couple years away from safety and it might be more difficult in year three or four or something of his career than it would be if they moved him back right now or, of course, just left him there at safety to begin with. I mean, basically, if Jimmy Ward, Jimmy Ward could get hurt on the first day of practices, right? The first day of OTAs, he could walk in, get hurt, and now you have Colbert and that's it at free safety. DJ Moore can play some free safety. He could play some nickel but at that point you got to think okay well hold on what are we doing here do we sign somebody or do you just make that move right now with someone like Tarverius Moore get him over there back at free safety and and make that move and and that's what worries me and that's where this thing could go south we talked about Verrett getting hurt Jimmy Ward getting hurt and then where are you at depth wise uh, in the secondary again you're, you're just right where you were last year let's check in with Levo is it Le- Levo or Levu <laughs> on Twitter, he said, no one's really talking about Fred Warner, but he could take a big step forward in year two. We saw flashes last year and the improved player around him, improved players around him will give him an opportunity for some big numbers. Oh, I love Fred Warner. Fred Warner was a shadow 49ers pick for a reason. Uh, he, he's a really good player. I think he's a really good all around linebacker and as you see, uh, not quite as much. I think linebackers and running backs and, and a few positions can get in and just play well right away in the league. In other positions, it takes a while, a year or two, and you see these big jumps. But I still think it, it was a lot to put on a rookie. Put him in middle linebacker. He's making the calls. You know, he's got the green dot on his helmet. I think that was a lot to put on a young player, and he proved that he could handle it for the most part. But I think that transition is going to be so much easier now in year two, and he's going to be ready, and he's done that for a year, and he's basically this grizzled vet at this point at, at middle linebacker. And I'm really excited to see how he uh, how he plays in year two. And I'm with you. Nobody really talks about Fred Warner on a national scale. It's like, oh, this is a really great young player, but I think he could be in that upper echelon of young, really good linebackers around the league, and it might have to be a breakout year two for him on the national scene. And people are like, oh, man, who's this Fred Warner dude in San Francisco? This guy is one of the better linebackers in the NFL, and I think he could take that step. A question from Zach, what happens when Juice's contract is up? Do we throw more ridiculous money at him? Do you think he may play at more of a discount knowing he got paid initially, or do we possibly try to find a cheaper option 
you have to imagine Kyle wants to keep him around. He's still a stud. Uh, I don't think, well, first of all, if you're Kyle Juszczyk, I don't think you care about what the last contract was as far as you're trying to get still the most money you can. And his agent's going to be like, yeah, whatever the most amount is that we can get, that's how much we want. So I don't think he's going to give you a discount because he had a nice contract for a fullback before that. Uh, But I do think, I don't think, no, that the 49ers will be in a space that they can throw stupid money at at a fullback again. So at this, uh, you got to believe either, you know, it, it, depending on what he can get elsewhere, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the 49ers had to overpay him because he was going to sign somewhere else. Cause he's, he would be like, why would I go to this bad 49ers team when I could sign somewhere else for the same amount of money? And now that he's played in San Francisco, now that he sees where the 49ers are going and not getting a ton of money elsewhere. Maybe the 49ers had to overpay. Nobody else will overpay this time. So maybe he will come down at a, at a lower number that's still market value for him. So maybe market value dictate, dictates that he'll get less and the 49ers can bring him back. But I wouldn't be surprised if when his contract is up, the 49ers have something in the works. And they've, you know, they like I mentioned, dude, get one of those other OWs. There's enough of them. Get them in line. Maybe uh, maybe that's uh, maybe that's Jalen Hurd's future job, being a part-time fullback there. Maybe they've got some other a guy, you know, they'll draft a guy. Maybe they'll draft a like a second round fullback, or maybe they'll just overpay the next best fullback in the league. Who knows? I, I don't know what the 49ers will do there. Kyle Shanahan has his uh, ideas about the players that he likes in his offense, and he'll do what it takes to go get those guys, even if it's an overpay. So you can't really throw anything out as far as what he wants to do at fullback. And I know Kyle Shanahan likes to have a fullback in his offense, so he probably wants to have the best fullback he can get, and that will probably still be Kyle Juszczyk. When his contract is up, but maybe it won't be at quite the level money-wise, but I'm sure Juice will try to get every bit he can, whether it's from the 49ers or from somebody else. Ryan wants to know who my favorite 49ers draft pick was that didn't pan out, the guy I thought was going to hit and missed. Uh, I got to go all the way back to, I believe, was it 2004 in Rashawn Woods, wide receiver out of Oklahoma State. I think it was pick 31 overall. Late first round pick, 49ers traded back, I think a couple of times, ended up drafting wide receiver Rashawn Woods out of OK State. He was super productive in college, and I didn't follow the draft back then like I do now or anything. But it was like, oh, man, this guy's great. He was a, he was a finalist for numerous awards in college football, one of the best wide receivers in college football, put up big numbers, nice big target, these Big natural hands. I thought he was a perfect fit in that West Coast offense. Is like a, a chain-moving, you know, a, a prototype, possession type of receiver. Loved Rashawn Woods and even worked out pretty well. He's fast, but it's crazy. And it, it's, it just goes to show, like, all the work that they put into these and all the you, – you hear all these weird interviews and, and they're really grilling guys. And you want to find out if a player really loves ball because you get someone like Rashawn Woods who could have had, a, I think, a really good NFL career – he just didn't care. He didn't care about football. He literally wanted to be a fisherman. And I'm pretty sure to this day he still is like a, a semi-professional fisherman on some circuit, like bass fisherman. That's all he wants to do. The dude just wanted to fish. And I applaud him kind of for it. But, man, he could have this NFL career. He didn't He didn't care. He liked fishing more than he liked ball. So that's what he did. And so you have to find out if these players love ball. And for Rashawn Woods, he just didn't. And so when you when you hear these weird interviews and you hear uh, teams go through and question guys and do they really love it and all this stuff and background work they do on prospects, that's why. You don't want to draft a guy who would rather fish than play football. All right, let's step aside really quickly, get more of this Locked On 49ers mailbag. 
Let's go to Jose here. He has a good one. Let's play a game, he says. Cut one, keep one, trade one. And he has three different lists of players. So we're going to cut one of these guys, keep one of these guys, and trade one of these guys in these groupings of three. I like this game. Uh, I think this would be a fun one. We could probably do a whole podcast on this, and I'd have you guys give me your uh, cut one, keep one, trade ones. Let's see. Let's start with Goodwin, James, Taylor. Cut one, keep one, trade one. Uh, I would say keep Richie James for sure. Talked about him at the beginning of the show. He's my guy. You keep Richie James. I don't think the trade value would be there for him yet. Let's see. And when it comes to cutting and trading, it's all about who has the most value in the market. Would Goodwin get you more or would Taylor get you more in trade? I got to believe at this point, maybe Trent Taylor. He's on the rookie contract. If you're a team like, let's say you are the Patriots and they love to spread it out. They love their little slot guys. They would probably see someone like Trent Taylor and throw you maybe a fifth round pick for Trent Taylor or something like that. Maybe they have some injuries and they need a guy. So one of those type of situations, cheap on his rookie contract, Goodwin costs a little bit more money. I would I would imagine that most teams would maybe value Goodwin a little bit more if you're just talking about a one-year scenario, that guy who can fly that deep threat. Um. So, ah, yeah, you know what? That's really tough. I, You know, there's a, there's a couple of scenarios where I could see Taylor getting more in trade, but I think overall, just around the league, and his contract isn't crazy, so I think Goodwin probably bring the most back. So trade Goodwin, keep James, cut Trent Taylor in this scenario. And that's probably the most likely that would happen here. I, I talked about it before with James making the team and, and being a darn near lock because of what he can do. I could totally see him just balling out in training camp and in preseason. And they're like, okay, well, basically we could keep this guy, Trent Taylor, who's an slot only player, or we can keep Richie James. Who's, who's proven to be as good just about in the slot, maybe a little bit differently, but just as good as a slot receiver, but he can also return kicks. Trent Taylor can probably return kicks a little bit too, but James a little more explosive and makes bigger plays as a return man. I think, uh, and he could play a little bit of Z, he could play a little bit of split end. So the value there would be keeping James and actually cutting Trent Taylor if that's the case because there's so many players right now, Debo, Pettis, Jalen Hurd. There's so many guys. The running backs can all run out and, and and play out of the slot as well. There's so many guys that can play in the slot on the current roster. Do you really need a slot-only player like Trent Taylor? I think that's the the worst. That's the best argument for Trent Taylor not making the team is just because he has less versatility than some of these other players. And if, and like Pettis isn't going to get cut, Debo's not going to get cut, Hurd's not going to get cut, and all those guys could play in the slot. So, how many guys do you need that can play in the slot? If everybody's lined up in the slot, is it really the slot? Because that means nobody's outside. Is the furthest outside guy, even if he's tight to the formation, is he still considered the slot? I don't know. These are big questions. I'm starting to uh, second, I'm starting to like get in this weird. You know when you like repeat one word over and over again and it stops making sense? That's that's what's happening with the, the slot position right now in my head. I don't even know what it means anymore. I've said it too many times. Let's move on. Oh, we still got some more here. Cut one, keep one, trade one, Blair, Street, and Taylor. Ooh, this is a tough one because I don't know if any of these guys would bring much in trade. I think uh, Blair would probably be the guy because he's the veteran. He's had more, he's been able to put more tape out there. So I would say that you would cut Taylor, keep street, 
and trade Blair. Uh, that maybe 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 not me personally. I, I haven't seen Street enough to know. I just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I would trade Street just because I haven't seen him play yet, and I like what we saw in Taylor. Taylor's not going to bring anything back in trade. So either you, I think you got to trade Blair in this scenario, and there's not going to be enough playing time, I think, for Blair. So at this point, you move him on to another team, let him earn a spot there. So you trade him, get a little draft pick back, and then you see what you have between Street and Taylor. Whoever wins the job, you cut the other guy. And right now I've seen Taylor play better, so you might end up cutting Street. And who knows how he's going to come back off of that ACL. I don't think that would happen. I think more likely it would be Street is the guy that you keep in that scenario. He's basically a rookie at this point. And the last one, McKinnon, Mostert, Brita. Cut one, keep one, trade one. That's easy. Trade McKinnon, keep Brita, cut Mostert. Even though I know Mostert has that special teams value, but Brita, Brita you got to keep Brita. He's not going anywhere. And then he's, he finishes off with Hoser out. Yeah, thank you, Hoser. Thank you, Jose, for that question. That was a fun one. Speaking of Street, the Stonehouse says Street for sure is a sleeper this year. Baby Hulk. Also, James and Bourne could have breakout years. Um, Baby Hulk, yeah, the, the weight room strength is legendary for Street. I, I didn't see it translate that much. I mean, he was powerful in the football field at NC State. I honestly didn't think that it, the 49ers got enough of a, of a discount in Street for coming off an ACL injury, just based on how he played and based how their roster was. I thought they maybe drafted him about where his stock should have been, in my opinion. And if you come off an ACL, I think you should get discounted from there. So I didn't love the street pick when they when they drafted him. I love the, the strength, and I love the weight room strength. And usually guys have put in time. They're putting in work to be that strong in the weight room. So I love that. We'll see how that translates to the field. I think we might have some growing pains there coming off the ACL. And then now he's going to have, you know, that rookie year in his, what should be his second year is going to be his first year. He's going to be behind a lot of guys. I think on the depth chart, he's going to be after Julian Taylor. He's going to be after Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas, obviously. So let's see how he gets on the field. Is he actually going to play some nose? It sounds like he might be DJ Jones backup playing a little one shade, playing some nose, which is going to be, Interesting for him because he was only about 280 pounds in college. And I think DJ Jones is like 310 pounds or something. So he's got 30 pounds on him. So I don't, that's interesting. I don't know how they're going to use Street. And we'll see how he bounces back from that ACL injury. And I wasn't huge on him out of college, but he's definitely strong. If he if he's one thing, he's strong as heck. All right, we got time for one more here. I want to get some more sleepers in here, rapid fire style. Kevin thinks people are sleeping on Kwan Williams. Derek says Jarek McKinnon is the guy people are sleeping on because he was hurt all last year. I think that's a pretty fair that he he's not getting the credit that he got last year at this time coming into the season after he got a big contract. So we'll see how he does actually in his first action for the 49ers when the regular season comes around. Hopefully he is healthy and he can bounce back from that knee. Adrian Colbert is Antonio's sleeper. Rob says Marquise Goodwin is the guy that people are sleeping on this year. And yeah, he's the veteran. He's the most productive NFL wide receiver on the roster. I guess Jordan Matthews is probably the most productive NFL wide receiver on the roster right now. This is going to be a fun training camp, actually. The veteran wide receivers versus the young guys. And it's the young guys who look like they have the inside track for most of the starting spots at wide receiver for the 49ers and roster spots. And that's not usually the case on NFL rosters. 
Tom says people are sleeping on the entire 49ers secondary. Now, that's not a single player. That's cheating, Tom, but I will accept it. I think I'm one of those people that's sleeping on the 49ers secondary right now. I'm a little bit worried that that could be a weak spot for the 49ers, even though I can see how things could go really well at that spot. It's just so many things have to go right there. It's hard for me to uh, to believe that, that, that all those things are going to happen. And let's finish off with Eli. He says, do you think that Ruben Foster fiasco has prevented the 49ers from drafting talented players with bad interviews or character questions that are falling in the draft like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Mac Wilson? Also, the most slept-on player is Akello. Uh, I think that absolutely has a huge part of it. I think it's a big part of why we heard so many prospects say that their toughest interview was the 49ers. I think they got really serious and looked in the mirror a little bit and said, what are we missing on some of these players and they wanted to make sure they didn't go down that road and make the same mistake quite twice, which is a good sign because the 49ers are learning from past experiences, a little self-scouting there. Was it an overreaction? Do they maybe miss out on some players that could be really good, that their character concerns weren't that big of a deal, that weren't to the extent of Reuben Foster's? I don't know. We'll see. But I think that had a big impact on the 49ers. I really do. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks so much for everybody getting those mailbag questions in. My apologies if I did not get to your question, but there's going to be tons more mailbags throughout this offseason, and I will try to get to as many as I can, and we will definitely hit it again on Winky Wednesday. Talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked on 49ers.